Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix on August 26th, 2010. Now I always suggest that newcomers to the show look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com because you can find lots of audios, hundreds of audios in fact I've done over the years and put up there for your free download where I try to patch the big picture of this world together for you as best I can in the time that I have really because it's so vast, It's, it's everything isn't it? It's everything you've ever known and experienced all sort of rolled together as we're going through the changes day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year. And these are planned changes. That's what I try to show you, that everything really is going along to a script. We're not born into some system where politicians just decide by the day what's to happen and, oh dear, here's an accident, let's fix it. No, everything's planned an awful long time ahead, like any big businesses, in fact. The big international corporations did their investment plans for 80 years ahead, some of them, some even further. Same with governments as well. And as far as the global government issue goes, that was planned an awful long time ago. And we're simply rolling along on schedule. And we are on schedule, by the way. We're actually integrating all the time, and most folk don't even know it, because it's not announced as such by the regular media to the public. So go in there and help yourselves. Remember, too, that you keep me going. You are the audience, the listeners, so you can help by purchasing the books I sell. You can also buy the discs. There's lots of discs to buy as well. Some of these discs have 50 shows on them. And uh, who knows how long the Internet will be up, at least guys like me, and for what I'm doing, who knows how long. Once the licensing comes in uh, as to who's authorized to speak and who is not, um, believe you me, they will pull an awful lot of sites down, and then you'll know who's who. So, buy the books and so on. Now, from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase through a personal check to Canada. You can use an international postal money order. You can use PayPal to donate or to purchase. Just send a separate um, email to me with your name, address, and order after the PayPal donation, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Same across the rest of the world with the addition of Western Union, which is awfully expensive, mind you. MoneyGram is a bit cheaper if you can get it. Some people send cash. And um, you can also use PayPal to donate or to purchase. Same idea, separate email with the name, address, and the order if you want to purchase. But we are living through an incredible system, and we are, as I've talked many times before about it, we're living in a Plato's cave. And the whole dialectic of what's happening today, with even people who think they're battling against what's happening, are battling about the cave itself. They don't know there's another world outside the cave. The idea is to get you battling about the same topics. And in reality, there's no battle at all, because... Out of these clashes comes compromise. Compromise leads to the inevitability of staying in the cave. It's so familiar to us. We can't think outside of it. 
because we're all born into it. We're born into it using a money system, which is unnatural to begin with, when you think about it. The so-called primitive tribes that they hate at the top, uh, they hate because they're self-sufficient. They need nothing from anyone. They don't need corporations. They don't need steel axes, which break and have to buy new ones. They don't have to work to pay taxes. They're completely independent. If the world fell apart tomorrow with a great, the greatest depression ever, financial depression, these people would carry on as usual. It's another day to them. But we, you see, are artificial. We're in an artificial system. Plato himself talked about this. And he says they're the easiest ones to bring down because they can't survive without it. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I am back and we're cutting through the matrix, just talking about civilizations in a sense. We, we, we don't realize that so many civilizations have come and gone, probably over, if not many thousands, it could even be millions for all we know, because um, I'm not really one for these Darwinists or uh, the life started as we know it back in the year or so and so. I think we're far, far older than that. And even in Plato's writings, when he gives the, either the story or the fable, who knows which it is, it's great for, for making money, writing books on it, and it's Atlantis. He talks about Atlantis, and he talks about his uncle Solon, or great-uncle Solon, or whatever, that uh, had gone there to study in Egypt, which all the aristocracy of, of uh, Greece actually did. They didn't just stop there, though. They went through the degrees there, and then moved on to um, the Middle East, and then they moved on to India, and that was the completion of the old system of what they called education. But Solon talked to the priests of Egypt, and they recorded that um, they claimed, the Egyptian priests claimed the Greeks didn't even know their own histories. They were completely ignorant of how old they were as a people before they became uh, a more uh, prominent civilization. And it talks about previous civilizations that had risen and fallen and risen and fallen over an awful long period before them. So this is what Plato eventually talked about. He talked about civilizations and how easily easy it was for them to fall apart because by that time, by the time they're so-called highly civilized and they have a big leisure class which dominates them and the leisure class owns using money uh, the means of domination, having everybody working for it. Uh, they also hire all these priests or bureaucrats. It's the same thing, really, in ancient times, because even in Sumer, the priests did all the recording of land grants and trading and all that kind of stuff. All the taxes were done by the priests. And you have all these people depending on money, and therefore, when it falls apart, there's very few people doing agriculture to survive with. And everyone's forgotten how to hunt and how to get by and how to survive with very little. And it's no different today. I used to wonder why the big movers and shakers of the globalist movement, which started really in England, in the city of London, by the big banking boys who formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs with their members, and it became the Council on Foreign Relations for the U.S., 
and they have branches across the whole planet. In fact, they have their members uh, listed at the top of the, the European Council for the whole of Europe now. They have a branch for that. And I used to wonder why they brought in these guys like, like um, Arnold Toynbee, uh, philosophers and historians. And they bring in Quigley too, of course, as their, as their official uh, historian for the CFR. And why they got to such prominent positions talking to heads of government, educating state departments and all the rest of it as historians and philosophers. It was because, you see, they are incredibly interested at the top of in history. They understand if you, you've got to know history, what happened to previous civilizations, they've got to know because it might happen to them. This was already discussed back in and before Darwin's day and during Darwin's day. He was well aware of it too because the whole idea of superior types and eugenics was already uh, formulating with the, the upper middle class, thinking they could join the upper class. And they discussed the same kind of things back then that eventually um, they might run out of food, they might run out of space for the for the, all the workers. Um, sustainability was talked about back then, because the eugenicists wanted wanted to believe that they had the right to go on down through the future as the rest died off, all the old type. And that's how really they formulated the idea of Darwinism together as a philosophy which became a religion. And it's taught as a religion, because really it's a theory, remember, that's now made into a religion taught as fact in universities. All the sciences must accept Darwinism. And the seeds of eugenics and all of that stuff is embedded within the, the philosophy of Darwinism, survival of the fittest. And you've got to look at the whole title of his first publication, although really he'd taken it from his father and grandfather, who were both into eugenics too and had written books about it before him. The Royal Society decided to give Darwin uh, the credit and put him out as a front man, really to put out the new religion. Very important because science was just to dominate over religion, you see the standard religions. That was the whole idea of it. That's why the Royal Society made him really, in his day, a superstar. By spending an awful lot of money, which is no problem for the bankers who owned the Royal Society as well, uh, to push him up there by massive coverage in all medias. He just paid them in those days, no problem at all. Still do, in fact, today. Because that's to knock down the old religions to replace it with the new. And the new one is to be science, and it is science, you see. So, when you understand what they're pushing at and where sustainability came from and the whole greening agenda and the fact that, oh, there's too many people on the planet, they've got to die off. It started a long time ago. Uh, it was already, as I say, um, smoking before it burst into embers and then from embers into fire. It was already smoking back in Darwin's day as the aristocracy were allowing more of the upper middle class into their ranks. So, where are we today with this? Well, as I say, it's taught in universities as fact. Uh, the philosophers still get pulled out. The best philosophers are pulled out, put in top positions, and the best historians as well, to, to guide the elites, to guide them along their path. They work in think tanks. They oversee think tanks. They decide um, what should be done next, uh, what happened in the past at this particular junction. Well, this is what they did, and this is what happened to them, so this is what we shall do here. We'll try this instead. It's like that. 
And they do have terms at the top. They do have their captains of industry. They do have their navigators, very important, their ships of state. They even have a ship of state right in the middle of London. When you look at it from above, it's literally designed like a ship, a ship of state. And you've got to see the buildings and all the sides of it. They built it that way because, you see, they speak a language of symbolism at the top. They can't tell the public what they really want to do. They can't even tell the public what they're there for. I'm talking about the public themselves. Or how long they'll be there. We take it for granted we're here because we just exist. I think, therefore I am. Simple as that. Very few folk uh, grow, go beyond that in their whole lifetime. So, the boys at the top plan everything. And really, when you look over it, you see the, 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 really, the real uh, pinnacle of this. And if you stand at the pinnacle and look down and try and see it as the elites see it, you get a completely different picture. You see how things truly work. You see how all opposing forces end up working together. Because they end up arguing about the same topics. I give an example for that, and Lenin talked about it too, and so did Marx before him. He said that uh, you throw something out to the to the into the media, uh, immediately you'll get uh, one wing and then another wing, an opposing wing, uh, arguing over this topic with each other, and then they get together, especially if it's to done, something to do with law. Yet they come together and they debate it, and before you know it, they have a, a compromise. A compromise means you step, you're stepping backwards for something. And once you step backwards for something, you see, you never re- regain that, that step that you just lost. And then they'll throw it out again after that, the second part of it, two years later or so. And then you step back again for another compromise. You understand, with the top guys, you cannot compromise. And I'm saying this pretty well too late, but the fact is you cannot compromise. You either are a person in your own rights, with your, your own rights, to go where you want unhindered, without being asked for permission, without asking for permission, and without being granted permission, and without having ID cards and all the rest of it. Uh, yeah, you can either sustain yourself by any means you can without harming other people, but you shouldn't have to keep others alive in, in, in the meantime by your labor. You shouldn't have to do that, unless you want to do that. Now, I'm not talking about some letting go of those who cannot work or the disabled and so on. I'm talking about the ones who really take your money because corporate welfare is the biggest welfare on the planet, always has been. Every few years, they publish all the top corporations, international corporations who've never paid taxes for 15 or 20 years. That's most of them. And yet, every so often, if they're in the military-industrial complex, and we have them in Canada too, I've watched in the States and Britain and elsewhere, they'll say they're in, they're in trouble, they'll start laying off workers and all the rest of it. They, they say to the government, oh my God, you're, you're the right arm for you, we're part of the military-industrial complex and you need us. And before you know it, they get a massive grant, not a, not a loan, a massive grant, a big gift, you see. This happens all the time with these guys. And of course, the guys in politics are all part of the same club, so they, they give their wink and the nod and say, oh, okay, we better give it to you, sure, and not a smile. It, it's all a racket we're living in. A complete racket. And the money they spend on warfare is astronomical. 
Never mind the crazy uh, monetary system that makes no sense whatsoever to any logical being. The reason it makes no sense, it's not meant to be logical, it's a racket. It's meant to be a racket. It's meant to enslave whole nations because the guys at the top want the world, not the nations. Compound interest cannot be paid out of. You can't do it. It's intended. It was, it was set up that way. Rothschild himself admitted it. And he says the few that figure it out um, will do nothing about it because these are the guys who are working on it. So they're profiting from understanding the system. They're accountants, chartered accountants, and they're up there. That's how it really is. And therefore, as I say, a long time ago, they decided to take over the whole world and planned how to do it. And we're back with more after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. We'll look at the bigger picture because if we could read news all day long, couldn't we really well get the same news? And it's easy to find today what we're supposed to be talking about today. And that's what Brzezinski said, of course. And talking about it doesn't really alter it much at all. I've noticed that too because, you see, as I say, we're all in Plato's cave. All we know is Plato's cave. And no one's ever come forward yet. You know, seriously, any big movement, like a powerful movement, uh, and uh, never mind the fact you never get the financial backing anyway to, to be a big movement, uh, until we're in opposition to a party, for instance, it won't happen. But um, no one's come forward to say, you know, there's a world outside the cave. All they talk about is money. And what most folk really want is the same system to stay, like, gets fixed in time today. Just fix it in time. Get the Time Lords down here, the Doctor Who guys, and just fix the time right now so we can still live and our lives can expire years years down the road and we'll be okay and let the next bunch sort out the problems. That's what most folk really, really want. Because most folk today are what they've been created to be, and that's egocentric, egocentric, they're hedonistic. That's the culture since the 1950s that was really pushed, stepping up in the 60s with a steamroller. It's rolled over everything since then, right to the present time. The dissolution of the family and all that, that all came about because the big bankers wanted it too. No one you stand up against them, you see, there's no families left. All the fallout from it as well, they turn around and point to and say, look at that, there's got all these children now that, that have single mums and they're all on welfare and, and, and some of them have, have various children from various dads. That's one of the big topics in Britain right now to do with eugenics and stuff. They're, they're openly talking about it. And I always liken this position to the farmer because the guys at the top technically are farmers. They own the farms. Maybe they're the overlords, you might say, and they have the, all their workers, ones that we know of, they're the farmers. And they get the cattle and they break the legs of the cattle and down go the cattle. And then they tell the cattle to get up. Well, they can't get up, so they kick them and say, look at the mess you're in. That's what they do to the public, you see. They make a dysfunctional society because they give you the culture. Culture doesn't come along uh, from the grassroots and just take off like wildfire. No, it's financed into being. 
with big bucks. Big bucks. To give you a dysfunctional society for exactly what they wanted. And they even knew when they started the big welfare state back in the 60s and 70s and steamrolled it onwards across the Western world, how long it would take before society was dysfunctional. And they'd have all these massive government agencies now to take care of the dysfunctionality. It was all planned before you were even thought of, before you came along. And then the next part of the step comes in. Oh, look, there's too many people. Nothing's working. Uh, everything's costing too much. Healthcare is costing too much. The welfare system is costing too much. Um, paying for all these, these unwanted children is costing too much. All comes down to what they call economics. In a system, remember, uh, that runs on compound interest that, that you can't pay back anyway. It's a racket, folks, to control money for the guys at the top, really, is a tool that we must believe in at the bottom. Because, you see, we all work for it. Most folk are terrified without it. Because without this thing that we've, we've accepted in this artificial system, this thing called money, that they run, of course, then you have the fear of starvation, a fear of sickness. How are you going to get treated? You can't. you got all these different fears. And no one wants to know you. It's true in the system when, if they're all working and you're not. Or you've no money. It's a disgusting system. They call this civilization. I don't think so. Because this is Plato's cave. As I say, you're taught to think inside the cave. So all the arguments are about that which is within the cave, not outside of it. They don't know there is a big outside there. Because no one will walk out and say, let's try something else. Before we're all knocked off, you know, 90 percent of us killed off so that the elite might survive with their, their own offspring down the road. Because that's where it's going right now. They talk about it pretty well openly under sustainability. You've all got to go, they keep saying. Go into my archives, you'll see dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of refer- references from the bigwigs themselves. All documented from their own books, their own speeches, where they've talked about this. You do the studying. Don't just email me and say, where is it exactly? And I'll stop everything I'm doing just for you. That happens all the time. And you know something? Most folk who ask you things too, like, where is this exactly? Um, it doesn't matter what you show them anyway. And I know that before I even start. So I don't start to help them. It really doesn't make any difference because people don't go by what they can see as evidence, especially the ones who are demanding and all that, even when the evidence is coming out daily. You see, they've chosen not to believe it. That's the real thing. That's what it really is. They've chosen not to believe it. And that's why they keep demanding it. Quite something. Now, yesterday I talked, for instance, about uh, a BBC radio show. I gave the link to, to, I'll give again tonight as well, Iconoclast series, where they bring on some of these, um, these fronts, these ones who are really working for the big boys and the world agenda. And the Iconoclast series was, is, it wasn't so bad to listen to because it's the usual BBC format, the pros and cons, it's all scripted before they come out, you'll talk and then so-and-so will talk and then you'll talk back and then that's how they work it out. It's all produced. One of the top eugenicists coming out openly talking about it. Back with more after these messages. I'll tell you who he also really is. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. I'm back cutting for the mid. We'll cut off again at the same time this happened. It's strange because, well, it's not strange at all. Uh, I got in touch with Bell Telephone and they did their phone trap staff to see what the problem was. And RBN got um, in touch with their uh, telephone provider down there. And their provider eventually got through to Bell and said it was some exchange in Canada here near me that was cutting me off at 8.30 exactly, automatically. And supposedly it was fixed, but obviously it's not, you know. I, I guess it's too important to line this to to let go. They must keep tapping it, I think. It's probably a special tap in there just for me. And somehow they've got it uh, automated in some way that it shouldn't be. Anyway, this happens so often. It's just incredible. Getting back to what I was talking about, though, we've got some... We've got, as I say, Plato's Cave, and everyone, even when you understand what's going on, there are very few people who know what to do about it, because everyone's depending on this system that's killing them. Everyone's working for the same thing called money, dished out by the same boys. doesn't matter what country you're in, it's the same con. And they all work with the World Bank, and they all work with uh, the IMF, and they're all pushing globalism, etc., all we can do at the moment is yell about it and complain, which doesn't do much good at all, because I've made it quite clear at the top that, the, that we are global. It is the end of nations. They've made it quite clear in their own announcements and their own uh, publications as well that this is a post-democratic society, this world society. It's authoritarian. Listen to that um, audio from the BBC. And again, I'll put the link up, the Iconoclast series with Professor David uh, Marsland talking about eugenics and the right to sterilize people that are really the unfit he's talking about. And don't you believe as well, when you get into the topics, this is a typical con. They'll start off to get something on the books. That's the whole key with any laws, to get it on the books. So that everyone says, well, that won't affect me. But they always expand it very quickly once it's on the books because they use something as an excuse, you see, to go along with the rest. Because the next thing will be unemployed, they'll be getting sterilized as well, and so on and so on. Remember they say in, eugenic, in eugenics that unemployment, poverty, poverty is, is a bad gene. It's an inherited bad gene. No kidding. And this is one of the guys here uh, who spoke in this Iconoclast series on behalf of the, the guys that want to give the right to police and social workers to put people forward for sterilization. And this, this is the 21st century, and people can't really fathom. They think some of them are science fiction. They're, they're so brain-dead with, with science fiction, and they can't tell what reality is anymore. And by the way, I'm not kidding about that. That's intentional. They've done it intentionally. So who is this professor in Marsland? It says he got the 1991 Margaret Thatcher Prize. Well, whoopee. And... Um, it says, ICUT announces the appointment of a national president, Professor David Marsland, emeritus scholar of sociology and health sciences, Brunel University of London, professional research fellow in sociology at the University of Buckingham, other accolades, uh, fellow of the Royal Society of Health, fellow of the Institute of Supervisory Management. Here's a big one too. Member of UNESCO. Remember Aldous Huxley's brother, uh, Julian Huxley, the first CEO of UNESCO at United Nations? 
to bring in a world society, the very guy that said they'd sterilize them and all the rest of it and bring in sort of free sex so they'd never bond with anybody. They'd just have partner after partner, and it's okay as long as they didn't have offspring. Well, he's one of the, he's really filling that seat now. And by the way, UNESCO is totally tied in with Planned Parenthood, which is the Margaret Sanger organization, the woman who said that children were weeds and who loved Hitler and Stalin. That's the real world we're living in. Anyway, he says, advisor to the British Parliamentary Social Security Committee. <laughs> this is a guy who's pushing for eugenics, who's, who's a, an advisor to the British Parliamentary Social Security Committee. Hmm? Honorable General Secretary of the British Sociological Association, recipient of the 91 Margaret Thatcher Award. If you think she was a conservative, you have no idea what she really was at all. Actually, one guy did put out something that was closest to the truth on Margaret Thatcher in her era, at least. And uh, his name, I think, was Potter. Not the Harry Potter, of course, but an actual author, a real person. And it was called Deep Cover. You should see that if you can. And as it says here, Freedom and Enterprise, Professor Marlin is a distinguished writer, broadcaster, academic uh, commentator, and well-known to the worlds of sociology, politics, and so on, yada, 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 yada. And he goes on with all the other stuff he's, he's got out there. But he's always been on about the same topic. Seeds of Bankruptcy was one of his, his books to do with wealth. Carry on with people who are unemployed. Who brought us unemployment and all the rest of it? Who gave us the system of unemployment? Who signed it, all the treaties to take your factories out of the country and put them abroad, eh? As I say, break the, break the legs of the cattle and down they go, then blame them because they can't get up, you see. Then he also wrote the welfare or, uh, or welfare state. Welfare or welfare state was his other book as well. And you'll hear this guy saying, uh, by the way, this guy who works at the United Nations as well, uh, that uh, this thing about rights, he says, there are no rights. You'll hear him saying this in, in this particular documentary if you tune into it. And I will put the link up for you. You'll hear him. Now, he's not, he's not some lone nut, this guy. This guy is a spokesman for very powerful, important people as far as money goes on the planet, the ones who run it. And every country has their, their Marslins, all picked because their particular beef that they have, thinking they're so superior, and working for their masters. And as I say, too, there are people who hear this and say, well, they're only having a discussion about it. But really, they're only having a discussion with social work department heads and all the rest of it. That's only a discussion about sterilizing people that, that social workers and cops will say should go ahead, go along and get sterilized. Hmm? Just bypass courts. Not that they'd be much use anyway, the court system. They're just as part of the brotherhood as well, aren't they? So that's what runs the world. You're, you're running in a, a, a timeline where it's not too pleasant to be alive. The, the, the good old days, as they said, of rock and roll is, is long gone, as they fantasized everything into incredibleness with LSD and various drugs, free sex, sexually transmitted diseases, and then started the craze of single mums, and a whole bunch of other movements were financed from the top to come forward and take over and replace the family unit. Because, see, families used to take care of each other. Communities were real communities, too, because they also took care of each other before welfare systems came along and before the health systems came along, too. They helped each other. You see, government agencies 
were provided to take over all those functions, to become authorities, exactly what as Lenin said. And it's happened. You're living through it. You're living through it. So, there's not an awful lot you can do about it, really, apart from yell and scream, because until you get out of Plato's cave, you'll be talking about fixing the Tower of Babel. Well, the Tower of Babel was corrupt from its foundations, folks. It's got so much band-aid and uh, crazy glue holding it together. It's incredible. And you're still thinking about fixing it. You know, let's get the, let's vote the right person in and they'll magically change it. And believe you me, if someone came in, uh, they'd have to be real, a real Superman, the fictitious one, to survive the assassination attempts because the big boys aren't going to allow it to happen. This is their method of control. As I say, we must believe in their monetary system. We must believe that there's no other way in order for it, because it's, it's a tool of control for them, that's all, so that they can live incredibly well, manage the future for their offspring as they did with the past. There's nothing new in this. If you go into the old families that used to be into this particular trades or the old guilds, as they say, and the power that they wielded, and it was a great power as well. Uh, the ones at the top, who tended to be the masters of these guilds, would pass all this information on to their family offspring, and then they'd grow up and pass it on to theirs and theirs and theirs. And it's no different in banking, which has been around for an awful, awful long time. And, of course, they're always, they're more than most folk, they're always aware of their surroundings, you might say, and the world's surroundings, because everything that happens across the world affects them financially. So they're more alert than the people who just work for the money and go and spend it. And that's why they accumulated such wisdom over societies and peoples down through the ages to the present time. And they could always plan, therefore, for the future. They were also the guys who, when someone was in the way, they planned wars and they got other countries to fight them for them, as they profited too. Right now, the U.S. is being used to fight the last few countries that didn't join in the club and go on the central banking system and use usury. And once that's finished, that'll be the end of the U.S. As you know it, it already is happening. The U.S. has been turned into a third world very quickly, with an awful lot more to come in January the 1st and onwards, because all the tax systems changed in the U.S. then, big time. And they grew up massively. So, as I say, we can yell all we want to do. And don't forget, too, that the big boys thought of everything. They've been forming uh, massive armies, internal armies, long before 9-11 came along to deal with this present time of change, in their century of change. And what kind of change is it? It's a change towards their new system. Remember, H.G. Wells wrote A Modern Utopia. Read it. Because that gave the blueprint for the society they're bringing in for those that are fit to come through, as they call it. For the fit to come through. Darwinianist uh, speech, that is. And they're quite sincere about that part of it. And there's nothing to really to stop them. Yelling people won't stop them. They're still, as I say, they're still yelling about Plato's cave. They want the same system to just stay where it is, get fixed in time and exist forever. It can't. It's designed to go 
more and more into debt all the time. And the big boys lose nothing in any era because, you see, they own all the resources and all the land and not everything else. They design the collapse of the previous system to suit themselves as they go into the new. They lose nothing. Nothing at all. This is old stuff to them. Very old stuff. Some countries are so far into the hole in the welfare system and its functionality that they can't be fixed. They can't be fixed. Once you've lost a system, it only takes a generation to lose a system that worked, at least held you together enough to, to make you survive. Once One generation is gone, and they, lo- they don't know how. They don't know how to do it, how to survive. Do you know how easy it is to bring down the so-called primitive peoples? They know this. They've studied enough of them as they did take them down. First they send an anthropologist. They study to see how they survive. And then they try to see, okay, they, they make everything that they need. Everything they, they need, they make themselves. Primitive peoples work a maximum, a maximum, and generally not even that, of four hours per day for survival. The rest of the time they, they can do what they want. And have fun, even even fun, real fun, without televisions or anything or cell phones. And then they bring in some new system. Even even a corrugated iron roof is enough to be them to forget how to make their own huts that were waterproof. And one generation. And then you bring them the food in, you know, and uh, trade something for it. Before you know it, a generation passes. They don't know how to go and hunt. They don't know all the, the, the hundreds of little tricks that, that were necessary and so easy for them to grow up and learn at one time. They lose it all so fast, they can't go back. And that's how society is today. It's been deliberately brought to the stage, the state of complete dysfunctionality. And what happens when you're in that state? You're helpless. And what you do then, most folk cry out to government, the guys who helped bring this on, to fix it for them. And guess what they do? They bring in the system that they planned in the first place. And what's happening now? There's too many of you. That's why they opened the doors for immigration. They flooded the countries that were not meant to be set up for such massive influxes of people, especially as their economy was being purposely taken out of them and all the production factories were moved abroad by global treaties. All designed that way. So therefore, all the different parties that are out there, and especially the left wing too, they're demanding what more, more welfare state. That's amazing, isn't it? You have to look at the leaders of these parties. Because all work for the same guys at the top. Left and right work for the same guys at the top. The dialectic. Most folk are followers, so they'll join one or the other. Because a little bit of what they're saying on either side will make sense to them personally. And yeah, we could sit and read news all day long. But you better get ready for what's coming down the pike. At least for those who, who are able to do something. At least, at least try and get out of the cities. I've been saying that for years. If you can. They don't want folk in the rural areas. I know that because they're hammering them like crazy all over the place with taxes and various laws to do with pollution and regulations on buildings and all the rest of it. They put farmers by the thousands out in all Western countries since the end of World War II when they set out the, the 
every country set up a national farming institute uh, and, gov- and government with the intent eventually of putting all the private farmers out. How people got through in the last Great Depression was outside of every town and city there were hundreds of small farms. Not anymore. Not anymore. They've all been deliberately, deliberately put under as part of a long-term 50-year plan. And most were quite happy in the cities. I think food comes from a grocery store. And the big agribusinesses, that's what they said. Even Thatcher said the same thing, that small business, small business was a problem. It was so bad for small businesses, and that included farmers too, that uh, half their day or more was spent doing government paperwork to keep the government happy. They just gave up. And then came the big international corporations that run the agribusinesses, and they took over the farms and joined them all together or left other ones as wilderness for the time being. That's warfare technique. That's planning for warfare. On who? On you. Because, you see, you are always a target anyway. You're useful tools when they need you for war against someone else. But these guys have no problem with disposing your tools once they've used them. None at all. Zilch. I noticed that with rich people an awful long time ago. A tool is just a tool to them. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. Just pointing out that what should be obvious to people uh, that we've been brought down to a state of almost helplessness. And of course, it goes on. the further we go on, the more helpless we're going to be. That was obvious to me years ago. Years ago. And definitely since 9-11 happened, I mean, it, it, hey, you have no rights. Again, listen to that BBC audio and hear one of the eugenicists himself talk about rights, rights. What's rights anyway? People have no rights. He's talking about privileges. And in new society, they're bringing in your privileges. Your privilege will be to serve the world state. That's what it will be. That's what the Royal Institute of International Affairs, dash CFR, has always said. And of course, only the creme de la creme will come through eventually into H.G. Wells's modern utopia. Wells even said, he says, we're not really that barbaric. We don't, we don't, we didn't just kill off the people by lining them up and shooting them. He said, uh, we just uh, allowed them, we just sterilized them and allowed them to die off. Then, of course, their whole, all their, their gene pool is gone. That's how he basically put it in his book. And he worked for these guys, as guys previous to him had worked for them as well. This is an ongoing thing. And people want to fix the Tower of Babel. You see, the Tower of Babel is theirs. And if you go in the, the base of the Tower of Babel, there's that cave again, it's Plato's cave, and guess what? You're all inside it. And you can't think outside of it. Every solution you come up with is to fix it. It wasn't meant for you. It wasn't designed for you to control. It was designed by those who do control it. To control you. And that's what folk never really catch on to. And it'll go on 
past 2012, all that nonsense with the, oh my God, everything's going to change in 2000, but the Mayans and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, all that rot. Who put it, who put that out there? The big change in 2012 is really the announcement of globalism, that we are global, and that the, the big world government really takes solid form and comes forward as such. Probably in different departments before they say we're all one. That's how they do things. But you're all programmed to look t- t- towards it and, and this is all inevitable. All the terror of the future is so inevitable. Um, there's going to be holocausts and all the rest of it and natural disasters and viruses and all the rest. All that rubbish they've been churning out there, getting you terrified. What happens when you're terrified? You turn towards the state and you obey them when they tell you to jump. That's what you do. That's why fear and terror has been used for thousands of years. I'll put a, a site up tonight, uh, a link with a lots of movies on all this predictive programming. Someone's put one up, and it's called Activist Post. And uh, just have a, a look at some. These are not all of the movies I've been churning out there with these apocalyptic scenes in them. What can you do? We're all it's viruses. It's all humans. It's all our fault. It's all our fault. That's the message in all of them. It's all our fault. <laughs> It's your own fault. <laughs> really? Who broke your legs and let you down in the field? Hmm? Who, who kicks you because you can't get up anymore? The same guys that you're going to vote for, eh? That's reality. That's reality. You know, the abused always turns to the abuser for help. Hmm? Said it first. Over and over for hundreds and hundreds of times in different shows. Anyway, from Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>